Late Night Conversations with Patricia Antuli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. It's time for us to get into a very uh, heart-wrenching um, <coughs> event that is currently happening in our country in KZN. The weather phenomenon has just created such a huge stir, devastation uh, all around in KZN. And um, I want to hear from you, A-teamers. And I, and I understand. I understand because uh, my family members are out of reach in KZN. I can't call. I don't know how they are doing. Um, my, my home, my property, I don't know how's it doing. I don't know whether I'll... Uh, go up to KZN uh, in the near future and find that my house has crumbled under this weather. There's no one to reach in that particular area. So network is down. Power has been out. Uh, people's houses have been um, d- destroyed utterly. People's lives have been lost. Graves are being dug up. It is, it is devastating. I've seen videos. I'm sure you have. But if... If you are like me and you've got a heart for your community, you've got a heart for your country, for your people, you should be in, in, in a, a state of mourning and wanting to know what can be done. A-teamers, please, let's join in. I want to hear from you um, around your thoughts, your feelings on what is currently happening in KZN and how we can pull together as South Africans. What is the change that we can create to better arm ourselves and to help those who are currently in devastation? We are joined by Sitle Mavuso, who's a political journalist at Daily News SA. Sitle, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening. Yeah, good evening, Patricia. Thank you for inviting me to share what I've observed on the ground. Yeah, you are currently in Kwamashu uh, in KZN and not so far from uh, Umhlanga. You're in Section G. Tell us yeah. what it is that you have observed. And I can hear the rain is still gushing gus- down uh, in the background. Yeah, yes, of course. Um, the rain is still there. Um well, to, to to just to start, um, I think this rain started late on Friday. Um, it went on up until later today, around 9 p.m. So on Friday and Saturday, one couldn't notice the devastation because most journalists in Wazulu Natal spent their time at the dead and ICC where the ANC uh, provincial, uh, regional conference was taking place. And then later on Sunday, we started noticing, more especially me, because I, I was driving from the Devon IC, which is in the city center, to Wamashu. I started noticing the devastation around the area, the areas of Kenville. Um, for those who are not aware, who are not well versed with Devon, Kenville is a shanty town, just uh, some nine kilometers from the CBD. So from there, I started seeing uh, a that were falling apart because of the rain. And uh, you, I, could, I also noticed the devastation of the rain uh, uh, along the road. Mm, for those who, who, who are well-versed with Deben, will know that uh, the road, which is now called the Chris Honey Road, uh, others call it the Old North Coast Road. There is that uh, other shanty town called the Blackburn. If you look at that shanty town, it is built on red soil. So that shady town as well started falling apart on Sunday. And then the most devastation came to the public um, eye on Monday, late on Monday, when most of the roads were blocked. 
small cars like uh, your Toyota Etios got stuck. I even noticed that uh, where the old course road joins uh, the N2, there was a huge pile up of traffic because some of the small cars they got stuck and blocking the road. I, Montezin, had to uh, change my route and use uh, Queen Nandi Drive in order to reach the township of Wamash where I live. But that was not easy as well because Queen Nandi Drive was also um, not easy to use because of um, the, the rain. I'm sure those who are well versed of the township, they know that uh, there's a perennial uh, problem of uh, water logging where Queenland joins the Malandela Road in Wamash. Mm. So we ha- I had to divert again and use another road, which is called it in Zanakai. And unfortunately as well, that road was also blocked. And then this morning I started driving around the township. It is when I, I got to notice how serious the damage was, especially on people's properties the road infrastructure, the drainage system, and, and everything. The one thing that uh, sticks out very sorely uh, from this natural phenomena is mm. the fact that infrastructure has not been well-maintained, has not been improved over the past mm. couple of years, and mm. perhaps this is why we are where we are. Um, and and this causes frustration. So you say that a lot of um, journalists were out at the ANC conference, and you know, uh, mm. are these issues that are ever talked about amongst uh, political parties and uh, municipalities? Because these are issues that are on the ground that need to be dealt with by municipalities. Councillors need to bring these forward. I, I, I'm afraid. I'm afraid not. Uh, you you remember that the conference of the ANC in the Etawini region was delayed because uh, there was issue around credentials and how the voting process should be carried out. Uh, the convener of the region, Kwasi Mshen, is on record telling us that they have to uh, cut some of the items on the program, on their program. I think one of the items that they were able to skip was... Uh, the policy discussion, it is where issues like maintaining infrastructure is always discussed and future policies for the ruling party should they get into government again. Well, that's fine. We, 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 I understand their point and why they skipped it, mainly because there still be a regional policy conference, a provincial policy conference, as well as the national policy conference. So they'll discuss it there. But then let's have come back to the issue of maintaining the infrastructure. It, it, the reality is that Deben, uh, <coughs> more especially, the only man was Lunatal. He is on the brink of failure when it comes to maintaining uh, the infrastructure. Um, the training system is hardly maintained. One, but um, what also makes uh, matters worse is how people more especially in townships and informal settlements, dump litter. Uh, for those who are well-versed with Kamashu, they do know that uh, you can't get into the township using Mala- uh, Ndombela Road. That is the road that uh, leads you to the town to the township via the Kamashu police station. The bridge that connects the, the, the hostel and the township 
has been closed. They've put some red tapes there to show to show people that there is a danger and they must not try to cross. So if you look at that bridge, the people in the hostel, the residents of the hostel of Wamashu, they dump within the river. So whenever there is a, a, a rain, just a minor rain, that 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 river gets blocked and the, the bridge is submerged. So we are having two challenges. It's uh, the challenge of infrastructure that is being hardly maintained by the municipality, and it's the issue of uh, improper uh, the issue of improper dumping of litter, more especially by people in shanty towns and in the townships. But surely those, this those are the yeah. surely this should not be the case if we've got um, willing and able municipal. Um, policies and bylaws and also people employed to ensure that there's some education on the ground um, and also employed to remove waste. Of course, yeah, of course. That, 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 that's true. That's true. In fact, we should not be having uh, this challenge if litter was collected on time, more especially in townships. Uh, if you live in a township, you'll notice that uh, litter is collected once in a week. Where I live, they collect it uh, on Friday. But if you compare the, 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 their timetable, the, the, the collection timetable with the of suburbs, I think in suburbs like Umtanga, they collect litter three times a week, which means that uh, people in the township, most of them, they end up littering because um, their litter is collected once and they end up sitting with piles and piles of litter. And that litter ends up in the, the streams that cut across the townships and the shanty towns. And eventually we have this problem that we're having right now. Uh, that, that, that's point, that points to a failure of the municipality to collect litter to prevent dumping. And of course, uh, to ensure that uh, the drainage system itself is always uh, in good shape so that when we are faced with situations like heavy rains, we don't have this problem, which has sadly led to the loss of 59 lives in what in Deben alone. Remember that these floods they're not been they've not been hitting Deben alone. They've, they fit most part of the of the province of KwaZulu Natal. Mm. Your ladies means your Peter Marie's bed, your Ishowe, and partly your Richard's bed. Those are the most critical towns in Wazulu. And, and, and the south coast as well has been totally uh, um, logged with, with, with well, you know, these rains. That, that, that's correct. Uh, Port Shepstein, which is a, a key economic hub in, on the south coast of Wazulu Natal, has been totally gutted as well. <clears throat> I do also understand that uh, some small towns like Harding on the south of the province have been gutted as well. Uh, I think later tomorrow we'll have a clear picture of uh, how 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 the provinces, and uh, we'll have a clear picture of how many people lost their lives, unfortunately. Now, there's also the issue of um, um, network. The, yes. It's very difficult to get hold of people who are in KZN right now in certain areas because mm-hmm. that infrastructure has been totally gutted. But also then there's electricity as well mm. that these particular um, rains have caused, you know, never mind the fact that we've got load shedding. But there's mm. also now the issue of no electricity because infrastructure has been damaged in those areas. And in Guamashu, I hear that people are currently protesting in the rain and burning tires. 
Yeah, that, that, that's that's correct. And the issue of electricity, I am one person who, who, who can confirm that uh, most sections lost their electricity around 5 a.m. yesterday. Um, that was when I was leaving for Peter Marisbeck to attend the Jacob Zuma corruption trial. I was hoping that uh, at least when one comes back, the electricity would have been restored. But uh, two days later, unfortunately, electricity has not been restored uh, in most uh, sections of the township. Uh, fortunately for our section, it was restored three hours ago. But I do understand that a section like C, H, F, part of M, Duzuma, that is Luan, uh, Richmond, Lindelani, part of Castle Hill, uh, part of Inanda, as well as Amawoki. They are still without power. Hence, people are now resorting to uh, blocking roads and protesting because remember that people nowadays they think that the only language our government understands is a uh, protest. If you don't protest, you'll never be heard. I think that is why people are all over the place now protesting. In the rain. I personally, yes, in the rain. Right. I personally witnessed uh, four protests today. Are there any officials on the ground though? Are there any officials, uh, councillors, the police force? Because we know how protests can sometimes end up getting very violent. And now you can imagine people who are protesting and they don't have a home to live in. So are there officials who are trying to um, give shelter to people who have lost their homes and um, find those who have been, um, you know, swapped away by the the, the, the raging waters and also officials who are just calming the crowd? Uh, I, I'm afraid not. I'm afraid not. Um, in, in one protest, which is uh, where, where protesters have blocked the road, the, the main road near Princess Makoko Stadium in Wamashu, the only police, the police van, that, which is seen in the video which I took, the, 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 the SAPS personnel was just passing by. They negotiated their way out and negotiated their way out and left. Uh, in one pro- in, in the other protest which was taking place around the peace section, the I only saw a policy then. I'm not sure what they were doing, but seemingly they were not interested what the committee was protesting about. Regarding your politicians like councillors, uh, I don't until I have not seen any councillor or someone from the municipality trying to address uh, the, 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 the protesters. But let me also note that uh, the Etawini municipality issued a statement alerting the public that uh, mm, water and electricity have been interrupted because of the heavy rains. And they said it will take time to restore it because some of the substations have been totally destroyed while others are submerging water and they, their workers are unable to reach them. Mm. So there is a possibility that some parts of the, some, some sections parts of the city will have will not have electricity maybe up until Thursday. Sure. Sile, I think it's very devastating what's going on and I do uh, believe that we'll be keeping a close uh, look out with what uh, carnage uh, the rains have caused and to see if uh, any action is going to be taken to help those who desperately need the help. Thank you very much for joining us and giving us an account. Thanks, Elisabeth.
I'm now going to be engaging with uh, Professor Francois Engelbrecht, who's the Professor of Climatology and also the Director of Global Change Institute at the University of Witwatersrand. Professor Engelbrecht, thank you very much for your patience and uh, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening, Patricia. Thanks for having me and my condolences also to all the families who have lost lost ones in the, in the floods and devastation. So, Professor, I think the first thing I'd like to find out is... What we're experiencing now in South Africa, this sort of weather, especially in KZN, is it due to climate change and it was not expected? Or is it something that was expected and the weather forecast did inform us in time so that we could have been proactive? Sure, Patricia. Let, Let me give you and the listeners some background on how exceptional this event really was. Um, firstly, this type of flood event, um, it, 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 uh, it was the result of a so-called cut-off-low weather system. This is a big low-pressure system that, that form in the mid-levels of the atmosphere, about three to five kilometers above sea level. And the first important statistic to realize is that the formation of these types of flood-producing weather systems is not exceptional for South Africa. On the average, if we look at the last 30 years or so, we have one of these cut-off-low weather systems forming about once, uh, one time on the average every month of April. A little bit. The statistic is, in fact, 1.2 times um, on the average in the month of April. So the mere occurrence of the weather system itself is not that exceptional. We have almost 10 of these cut-off lows forming on the average every year across Southern Africa. And about 20% of these systems, when they form, cause flooding. Now, they, they can occur as far north as Botswana, but typically they form over the Southern Ocean to the south of us or over the Atlantic Ocean sometimes over our western interior regions. And most of these cut-off low weather systems that bring heavy falls of rain move over the southern parts of South Africa. So it's usually the western Cape, the eastern Cape, or KwaZulu-Natal that, that receive the heavy falls of rain that, that often cause flooding. So flood events in South Africa, the majority of flood events over these southern provinces are the result of cut-off low, uh, low pressure systems. So, but uh, go ahead, Professor. if I can just add one more statistic, mm-hmm. um, uh, if we look at the, the, the statistical distribution across cut-off low pressure systems across the years, this system was exceptional. Um, it caused more than 300 millimeters of rain to fall in just one day, over a large area of the KwaZulu-Natal South Coast, basically from from Margate all the way through to Durban North, everywhere along the coast, more than 300 millimeters of rain fell in 24 hours. That's absolutely exceptional. It's a record by far for the month of April. So in that respect, the system was absolutely exceptional. Uh, and the very last thing I'll say in, as part of this introduction, Patricia, is um, many listeners will, of course, know about the floods of April 2019, just three years ago, 
it was the exact same type of weather system, and that system caused about 160 millimeters of rain in the Durban area in 24 hours. And unfortunately, we had about 70 people that died in the floods and mudslides of the April 2019 event. Just three years ago, something very, very similar happened in KwaZulu-Natal. So if this is exceptional in terms of the amount of rainfall, but it's something expected around this time of the year because it's a weather system that is known this cutoff low. Um, why are we not well prepared for it? Is it because there's no will from the, 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 the powers that handle infrastructure? Or is it because we are just nonchalant about these issues? So that every time around this year, every province that has the potential of being affected by this uh, cut-off low weather system is geared up to be able to, to handle uh, the pressures that these rains might bring. Yes, Patricia. Well, obviously, we are extremely vulnerable to these types of heavy rainfall-producing weather systems, as I think you've just pointed out. And there are so many examples. Uh, Let me just point out, we've had this vulnerability for as long as South Africans have been living in South Africa. Um, September 1987 is another example. Uh, Almost exactly the same type of weather system that caused floods in Durban, um, the older listeners may well remember this. It was the first, uh, in September 1987, about 350 people died in that event. That system brought about 900 millimeters of rain in four days. But there are many other examples for the Eastern Cape and Western Cape I can mention. The first perspective I'd like to give to answer your question is firstly that it is extremely difficult to cope with 300 millimeters of rainfall occurring in just 24 hours. That is going to test any stormwater drainage system. Any flood management management system will be tested to its limits by such a rainfall event. Remember, this is the the worst rainfall event we've ever had in April uh, along along the Durban, in the Durban area and probably one of the worst in the historical record. So, of course, um, if, if an event like this happens, um, it is going to expose all our vulnerabilities. Now, it's, it's less than two weeks ago that I gave an interview to News24 about the, the lightning occurrences in KwaZulu-Natal this past summer and all the lives that were lost. And I pointed out two weeks ago how vulnerable we are the flash floods and mudslides occurring in KZN because we have so many buildings on steep slopes vulnerable to mudslides and we still have so many communities living below floodlines. So, of course, as I've mentioned two weeks ago, for as long as this is the situation in KwaZulu-Natal and also in many other parts of South Africa, the hard reality is these extreme weather events are going to continue to cause immense damage and and loss of life. Mm. Now, I, I want to add, Patricia, um, climate change is playing a role. It is making things worse. Um, April 2019, we had a record event, a record rainfall event in April in Durban. About 70 people died. Three years later, 
that record is shattered by this current system. And the evidence is clear that in eastern South Africa, especially in KwaZulu-Natal and also all along the Drakensberg, all along the eastern escarpment especially, evidence is clear that heavy falls of rain are occurring more and more frequently, especially in summer, but also to some extent in spring and in autumn. Uh, a warm atmosphere can carry more moisture than a cooler atmosphere. It's as simple as that. For as long as global warming is going to continue and for as long as Southern Africa will continue to warm so rapidly as it has been warming over the last five decades, there's more water available for these intense storm systems. The warmer the atmosphere is, the more energy is available to build intense storms. So the link between climate change and intense storms occurring more frequently is very well established for eastern South Africa and, in fact, for many parts of the world. So we will, we will have to deal with these events more and more frequently because of climate change and the, the urgency of preparing, of adapting, of reducing our vulnerabilities. That's just becoming more and more important. So it's very clear and apparent that uh, town planning and uh, infrastructure departments need to work hand-in-hand with climatologists such as yourself in order to understand what needs to be changed in our towns. Those who are living close to riverbanks, those who are living on, on, on slopes, those, you know, th- th- how to revamp our stormwater drainage to prepare ourselves better. As you are saying, climate change has a major factor when it comes to such. Well, Prof, I, I'm just hoping that there will be some engagement so that we can better arm ourselves because as far as I understand, the, uh, climate change is not going anywhere. It's just going to get more intense in uh, various weather phenomena. Yes, Patricia, that's, I mean, that's correct. And as I pointed out earlier, we've had this vulnerability in South Africa for, for decades. So naturally, these events occur in our region but they are starting to occur more and more frequently. So I think two, two things that we have working in our favor is we have good early warning systems in place. So the, the weather warnings issued by the South African weather services generally are arriving in time. So we can really foresee the occurrence of an event like this um, roughly Two, three days in advance, we know where the heavy force of rain will occur and, and more or less when, um, even, even in terms of timing of the day. So early warning systems are in place. Um, I think um, in general, disaster risk reduction, disaster management, the linkages to the climate scientists, to the weather service, that is in place. But the problem is, how do we ensure the uptake? How can we make use of the science? And the hard reality is it's difficult to evacuate communities uh, ahead of such an event um, if they are living along steep mountain slopes or below, or below flood lines. So how do you convince people to move away and leave their properties behind when such a storm system is approaching? Of course, in the long run, we must completely eliminate those vulnerabilities and, and help communities and people living in these vulnerable areas, especially in terms of the KwaZulu-Natal mudslides, 
to, to live in, in safer areas. So we have, we have much to do in terms of reducing our vulnerability to these extreme rainfall events. Let's go to a voice note from an A-teamer. Hello, this is Patricia. Um, I'm not discounting the fact that there may not have been any maintenance. Maintenance has been lacking in terms of infrastructure. But there are some storms that are so heavy, like the cyclones and so forth, that even the best maintained infrastructure will not be able to stand them. It will just, because the floods, the amount of rain that will be there per particular time will be too much that the infrastructure will not be able to hold. So that also needs to be taken into consideration. Thank you. Thank you very much, A-teamer. Hear you loud and clearly. Um, Prof, I mean, uh, the A-teamer is talking about the fact that uh, we can experience even worse. And even if we had infrastructure that was on point, it might not be able to withstand. No, I think that's exactly correct. That's what I said earlier in the discussion, right? Uh, 300 millimeters of rainfall in 24 hours is an immense rainfall event. And it will it will test infrastructure and water management systems to the limit. But the hard reality is we should expect more of these types of events occurring just more frequently. So I think there are many things that we can do. And I've already pointed out some of the, the obvious instances. For example, it, there are so many, um, so many communities living along these steep hill slopes in KZN where that are obviously vulnerable to mudslides. Um, we've had a really strong warning in April 2019, and not much has changed in three years that we've had time uh, to reduce our vulnerability for this type of impact. Um, I also would like to use this opportunity to point out to the listeners that there is yet, a comp- there's yet another category of risk I think we are not prepared for. And... Um, all our listeners living in especially northern KwaZulu-Natal must be aware of this. There is the possibility that because of climate change, an intense tropical cyclone can make landfall in the northern parts of KwaZulu-Natal. Um, let's, let's see what we can learn from the current events. At, at least we should be able to learn from this and prepare for what may happen in the future. Um, The last time that we had a cyclone making landfall, I'm now talking about a direct landfall in KwaZulu-Natal, was tropical cyclone Des Moines back in, that was I think January 1984, if I remember correctly. Um, That that system today is not even classified as a Category 1 hurricane. So it wasn't actually meeting the intensity scale. In that event, uh, if I recall, about 240 people lost their lives in South Africa. Now, um, because of climate change, um, it is now possible that a much more intense system, a Category 4 or Category 5 hurricane, can for the first time in the historical record make landfall as far south as Maputo, or it can move into the Limpopo River Basin of northeastern South Africa, or it can even move as far south as KwaZulu-Natal. I don't think we are prepared at all in terms of an evacuation plan when such a weather event would occur. 
And I think our, our housing is simply not, um, will not be able to withstand these types of winds. So this is another, you know, this type of weather system causes winds blowing in the order of 200 kilometers an hour sure. at intensity of a tropical cyclone. Now, it, a system like this occurred in March 2019 in Beira in Mozambique. Yeah. And across mm-hmm. Mozambique and Malawi and Zimbabwe, more than a thousand people died. Prof, so, Prof let, un- let, unfortunately, we don't have much time. I just would like you to please, uh, in a couple of seconds, respond to this. Um, when can we expect the current uh, cut-off low weather system in KZN to subside? Um, Patricia, it's moving away from the coast right now as we speak. Um, but I would advise the listeners to closely monitor the statements issued by the weather service, who's monitoring the system 24-7, of course. Um, but I do expect just um, just having a look at the latest satellite images and forecast before uh, we started talking, that uh, the worst is over. Um, the system is now moving out. It should be deep into the Indian Ocean by tomorrow. Excellent. But once again, uh, listeners, please monitor the weather service because there's another system approaching. Ooh. It won't be as intense, but there's more rainfall coming over Easter weekend, so please check the forecast from the weather service. Prof, thank you so very much for joining us. I think uh, more discussion needs to be had around mm-hmm. climate change. We appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thanks, Thanks Patricia.